Hello, today's reading is from Genesis chapter 41, verses 46 to 57. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all of the food produced in those seven years in abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like sand in the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Masana and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you to do. When the famine was spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold the grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the world. Well, good day, everyone. It's good to see you here this morning. Like I said before, my name is Scott. Really glad to be here with you this morning. I want to start today, though, by asking a question. Here it is. What's the one thing we need to do to fix the world? I mean, there are lots of good things we could do, but but what would be the one thing you could do to, to, to change or to fix so that the world would be a better place? Why don't you talk about it with the person beside you, uh, chat with your neighbours, Have a thing, ask each other, what would you do to fix the world? And we'll come back together in a moment. Have a chat to the person beside you. All right, I clearly haven't given you enough time to fix the world's problems, but I'm going to open the floor. If you could do one thing to change the world, what would you do? Or or what would the person beside you say they'd do? Who's going to be brave enough to call it? Turn the problem into a project. There you go. That's 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 thinking. Uh, Other ideas. What would you? What's the one thing you do to fix the world? Stop wars. Make people see that everyone else is inherently valuable because they're made by God. Other ideas? 
Lead everyone to Jesus? You can't. Yeah, well, no one's going to disagree with that, are they? Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyone else got an idea they want to throw out? Christ's return would help fix things. Here's, I found a list on the place of all, the fount of all wisdom, the internet. Here's a list of 17 things we needed to fix the world. I've got a couple of highlights for you. Number 10, reduce inequality within and among countries. That sounds pretty good. Uh, number 6, ensure availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. Number 2 was end hunger, achieve food security and improve nutrition and promote sustainable agriculture, which sounds like four things, not one, but hey, no, no one's counting. What do you think the number one thing was that they suggested? End poverty in all its forms everywhere. And look, these things are great. And, and the things we've mentioned as well, they're really great. Who's going to argue with having food and water? Who's going to argue against that? Or, or who's going to say stopping things like inequality and stopping things like poverty are bad? No one's going to say that. But there's one problem, isn't there? How can I do any of this? Yeah, something like poverty. I, I want to end poverty. That'd be great. But what can I do? I can, I can sponsor a kid. Even if I sponsor 10 kids, it's just, it's just a drop in the ocean, isn't it? The problem's too big. It's all too much. I can get overwhelmed by it. And after a while then, what I can do is give up. How can I end wars? How can I make people see that, that everyone else is valuable? Have you ever felt like that? That the world's problems are just too big for me to fix? Friends, if you've ever felt that, well, let me tell you, today's passage gives us hope. It gives us hope because in our passage we meet a God who fixes the great problem of the world, who brings blessing into the world. And more than that, we're going to see that we can be part of the way that God brings blessing into his world. So there's hope. But I want to be upfront and warn you that hope, God's remedies, might not be what we expected. Well, let's get into the passage then. Today we're looking at Genesis chapter 40 and 41. We're going to take a look at the story through Joseph's eyes first, and then we're going to go back and take a look through the story with God's eyes. Let's got a quick message for the note takers. Hopefully, you've got an outline as you came in. In there, there is. Uh, some, some of my notes uh, some for the talk. Uh, if, you're, if you're a note taker, let me tell you, you can put a line through uh, that bit that says ups and downs. We're just going to skip over that bit today. Okay, let's get on to it. We're looking at the story through Joseph's eyes, from Joseph's perspective. When we do that, we see that this is a story about faithfulness. Joseph's faithfulness to God. It's the kind of faithfulness that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. As we've been looking at the story of Joseph, we've seen that uh, he was sold as a slave by his brothers. But at that time, Joseph didn't give up on God. It seems like he was even talking to his slave master about his God. Then later on in Joseph's life, he was propositioned by his slave owner's wife. But he stayed true to God and he said no to her. That's the kind of faithfulness 
that Joseph has shown. And that's the kind of faithfulness we see again in Joseph today. We, we, we didn't read through the whole chapters just before, but you would have caught on to it through the, the video in the kids' spot. At the start of chapter 40, Joseph's in jail. He's been wrongfully jailed. And at numerous times, while he's sitting in jail, he could have given up on God. But we know that he didn't. We know that he didn't because time and again, he gave God credit. He gave God the credit for interpreting dreams. Joseph never takes the glory on for himself. And it's a sign to us that Joseph had stayed faithful to God, faithful to God through the bad times of his life. That seems pretty consistent with the rest of Joseph's life. But more importantly, in the bit of the Bible that we read there, I want you to notice that Joseph also remains faithful to God in the good times. Joseph isn't just faithful in the bad times, but in the best of times, he stays true to God. By the end of chapter 41, we see that Joseph has made it. He's now the second in command of the whole of Egypt. He has the good life and he hasn't given up on God. Not one bit. You see it in the way that he names his children. He has two sons and both of the, both of the names he gives to them show us that, God, that Joseph has stayed faithful to God. Because God's the one who lets Joseph forget his trouble. God's the one that's given Joseph success. And Joseph acknowledges that. See, even in the good times... Joseph hasn't forgotten God. He's remained faithful. And that's worth us noticing. Because good times can be so dangerous to us. When we go through rough patches in life, in those moments, we know that we need God. We're driven to prayer. We learn to rely on God for each moment It's the persecuted church that tends to be the thriving church because it's learnt to rely on God. But in life, when good times come, that's when I forget like I I need God. That's when I feel like I can do life on my own. After all, look at where I am. I've gotten myself here. I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's good times, it's, it's success, it's comfort. These things easily lead us toward pride and self-centeredness. I got me here, look at how good I'm doing. It's when society is indifferent to the church. That's dangerous. That's when we can start cruising through the Christian life and get soft and drift away from Jesus. Good times are dangerous, but Joseph stayed faithful to God even in the best of times. So I want to ask a question then. How's life going for you? Are you experiencing the good times now? Are you in danger? Have you hit a cruise mode in your Christian life? where you're just skating through? Are you going soft and slowly, slowly drifting away from Jesus? Friends, beware of good times. 
stay faithful to God. Through Joseph's eyes, this is a story about faithfulness to God. But through God's eyes, the story is much bigger than that. Through God's eyes, this is a story about blessing, about God blessing the world. God blesses the world in Joseph's time, and he does it through Joseph. At the start of chapter 40 again, Joseph is in jail. By the end of chapter 41, Joseph is is the de facto king of Egypt. What's happened? What's caused this massive change of fortunes in his life? Well, it's God, isn't it? God's the one who gave the dreams to the cupbearer and the baker and Pharaoh. And not only did God do that, he also gave Joseph the interpretation for those dreams. And even before then, God had been working through the difficult times, shaping, moulding, changing, growing Joseph to be a mature person, the kind of person that Pharaoh could rely on. God's the reason why Joseph ends up where he does. And God has a purpose, a reason why he's doing this. It's not simply that God wants to reward Joseph for being a faithful follower. God has even bigger plans than just Joseph. God wants to bless Egypt. Look at verse 56 with me. When the famine had spread over the whole country... Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. God blesses Egypt. When there is no food in the land, God has used Joseph, so there is food. But God's plans are bigger even than just blessing Egypt. God wants to bless the whole world. So look at verse 57. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. And it doesn't mean here that the entire globe is is under some kind of uh, famine, but it's talking about the entire ancient Near Eastern world. It's the entire known world to the Egyptians at that point. Everywhere is under a horrible famine. Severe, so severe, that if if there hadn't been Joseph... If there hadn't been grain stored away, then there would be an event of mass starvation. Civilization, societies would have completely died out. But God blesses the known world. Instead of famine, there's food. Instead of starvation, there's survival. Because God has blessed the world and he's used Joseph to do it. And you know, that's exactly what God promised he would do. Years before this, God had spoken to Joseph's great-grandfather. God spoke to Abraham. These are some of the words that God said to Abraham. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God tells Abraham here that he's going to bless him. Not only that, but God's not not going to just bless Abraham. God's going to bless Abraham's family. And that's what we see here, isn't it? Here's one of Abraham's family, Joseph. He's made to be the de facto king of Egypt. But notice that's not all God says. 
God will bless Abraham's family, but God is also going to bless the whole world through Abraham's family. And again, that's what, exactly what we see here. The whole world is in a great mess. There's this famine that is going to starve people to death. But God uses Joseph, Abraham's family, to bless the world. In Joseph's time, God blessed the world. But that's just a glimmer. That's just a shadow of something even greater, of a blessing even greater that God bestows on the world. Through Jesus, Abraham's greatest descendant, God has blessed the whole world for all time. See, like Joseph, Jesus takes care of the hungry. He feeds them. But Jesus does more than that. He also heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind. He looks out for the needy who are in all sorts of difficult situations. But even then, there's something even more important that Jesus comes to do. A bigger problem that Jesus comes to fix, and that's the problem of sin. Jesus dies so that we can be forgiven of our sin. Because of Jesus, because our sin, our, our turning away from God, forgiven. Jesus brings God's greatest blessing into this world. Look at how one part of the Bible puts it. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord never counts against them. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, come on, God, couldn't you do a little bit more? Sure, I mean, there's this great famine back in Joseph's time, and God did something then. But, but doesn't God, can't God see what's happening now? There's horrible things going on. Hasn't God seen what happened in Indonesia? The horrible earthquake and tsunami? And now again, just this morning, mudslides have come through the same area. More lives have been lost. You know, sure, God can fix the problem of sin or whatever, but it seems so abstract compared to this. What's God doing? That's a really good question, isn't it? And if I'm honest with you, part of the answer is, I don't know. I don't know what God's doing. A part of the answer is, God, God does care. And part of the answer is probably just too big for us to deal with properly now. But I want to make a quick note. When Jesus came, his mission was to deal with sin, the sin problem. There are lots of things he could have done. He could have reformed the government. He could have made sure no one went hungry. He could have ended poverty. He could have promoted equality. And a lot of those things Jesus did actually do. But his big purpose was to come and fix the sin problem. That should tell us something of how big and horrible a problem sin really is. Of all the things that Jesus could have come to do, the biggie, the really big thing he wants to do is to fix the problem of sin. That's the one thing Jesus is intent on doing. 
Forgiveness of sin is the one blessing God really wants to, 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 to give all of us. Look, maybe this is a challenging thing to hear for some of us. But I want to say, if you're here today, and if, if you've never really asked... Um, if you've never really asked God for forgiveness in your life, maybe today is the day to do that. Maybe today is the day to take God's blessing for yourself into your life. You want to do that? If you, if you do, look, come and grab me later. I'd be over the moon. I'd can the rest of my afternoon to help in any way I can. Maybe you don't know me very well. Maybe you feel more comfortable talking to the person you came with today. And look, that's fine. Uh, uh, do that. Uh, We'd be over the moon to hear this news that you want to accept God's forgiveness. We'd love to be there with you as you take those first steps of taking God's blessing into your life. But I want to return briefly to the question we asked at the beginning How do you fix the world? How do you become a blessing in this world? People have all sorts of ideas about this, what they can do. But for the most part, I find it hard to know exactly what it will mean for me. All those big ideas seem too hard for me to to do anything and and make a difference, make a real impact. What we've seen today, though, is that I'm not the one who fixes the problem. God is. God's the one that blessed the world in Joseph's time. When there was no food, because of God, there was food. And God's the one that blesses the world for all time. And he does it through Jesus. There's this great problem of sin that through Jesus, God fixes. And now there's forgiveness. God's blessing for people, for all people, for all time. So I don't fix the world's problems. That's what God does. So... Does that mean that I just then kick back and do nothing? Well, no, not at all. Because I'll I'll want to have Jesus' heart for people, won't I? As we look at Jesus, what did he do? He did. He fed the hungry. He looked after the sick. He cared for those who were needy. And I want to have Jesus' heart and do that as well. Maybe that means buying someone a meal who can't afford it. Maybe that means being with someone who needs company. Maybe that means... I'll give money to the aid agencies that are helping out in Indonesia. And yes, it might feel like a drop in the ocean, but it was enough for Jesus to want to do something. So it's enough for me too, isn't it? I think. I know I'm limited, my time, my money, my abilities, but but where I have opportunity, I want to have Jesus' heart for people. I want to be a blessing like he was. But at the same time, I want to remember that the great, uh, about the greatest blessing that Jesus does give, which isn't food or care or money. It's forgiveness, forgiveness from sin. So if I really want to bless my world, I'll help others get to know Jesus. I want others to meet Jesus and, and get to know the forgiveness that he offers. Because that's the great way God blesses our world. It doesn't mean I don't do the other stuff. But it does mean that if I want to be a blessing, I can't ignore 
Jesus. I can't push him to the sidelines. That means I want people to meet Jesus. So what does that mean practically? What do I do? We could say a lot of things here, really, couldn't we? Uh, I just want to focus on one thing today, one, one thing that we can do, and I think that, that all of us can do. If we're going to, to help people meet Jesus, if we're going to be a blessing in this world, then we actually need to be in the world, don't we? We need to be hanging out with our friends. See, I, I love our church. I really do. Uh, we've been here for nine, ten months now. And very quickly, it was easy for, for me and my wife to feel like we're at home. We're loved and we, we love you guys. I could so easily spend all my day, all my life here amongst you guys. I'm not here exactly, but having you over to my home and, and, and hanging out with you. But you can see the hitch, can't you? Because if I spend all my time in the church bubble, I, I barely spend any time with my mates who don't go to church. So why not set a goal? Make it your ambition. Make it your ambition to hang out with your mates who don't come to church. Try and find a time some, somewhere before the end of the month to do that. Get a coffee together or grab a beer. Set up a time when your families can, can hang out in the park together or, or have them around for a meal. Whatever their thing is, do their thing with them. Just be a real friend. Maybe Jesus won't be on the agenda straight away. But the more we invest in our friends, the more we, we, we listen to them and, and care for them and ask them questions and, 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 and be really interested in their lives, and be invested in them, well, that's when they'll be invested in us as well. Uh, that's when they'll ask us questions and listen to us. And be happy to hear about our things. And then maybe Jesus will be on the agenda. Maybe at that point then I can be a blessing. Maybe I can help people meet Jesus then. So we want our world to know Jesus. We want to be a blessing to our friends. We want to introduce people to Jesus. Which means we, we actually need to be in the world, out there with our friends. We want to be part of each other's lives. But we want to be part of our other mates' lives as well. God blesses the world and he does it through Jesus. If we're going to be a blessing, we need to make sure we're taking Jesus to our world. Let's pray and ask for God's help to do that. Eh? Father in heaven, we thank you that you're a God who's not unconcerned about our world. You are deeply concerned and we thank you and praise you for that. Father, we thank you that you were concerned with the world at Joseph's time. When there was great famine, you brought blessing. Father, there's so much going on in our world right now and we don't know what to make of it. We pray that you would be with those in Indonesia who have lost so much. Help them see the hope that is in Jesus, we pray. Please help those aid agencies and, and, and governments that are sending money. We pray that it would... Meet the needs of the people. But God, also we pray that our world will get to know Jesus. You've told us that 
the really big problem is sin. We thank you that Jesus looks after that problem and blesses us so freely by giving us forgiveness. Thank you so much, God. We pray that we would carry that message of forgiveness amongst ourselves and out into our world. God, please use us to be a blessing. We pray this in the name of our Saviour Christ Jesus. Amen.